ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble, in fact. Each story into the game is gotten. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, 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 it's Monkey here. And I'm Heath. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. We're coming to you every day from our Copa 90 clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France and beyond. And along with hearing Monkey and myself turn every story into stories about ourselves, here's what we have for you today. The Matildas veteran, Lisa Devana, tells us all about her career. Ellie Menjim has the inside score of everything you need to know about Brazil and China. But first of all, we've got a little recap from last night's matches as part of the five things you need to know going into every day. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Five things you need to know going into today. First one, almost right. Nigeria with a 2-0 win against Korea. I guess 2-1, so... Yeah, you were close. I was close. The bookies would take your money. Still, still take my money, But yeah. you'd be like, I am I felt good about that bet. Yeah. You know, I felt good. I was close. They didn't follow through. Korea's in trouble, though. Zero points after two matches. I know, but Asasat's goal, our girl, was very, very good. The second goal, it was a long ball over the top. She took a good touch with the defender on her back, then took it around the keeper. Difficult angle, got it in, and uh, yeah, smashed it. There's a reason she plays for Barcelona. Number two, don't feed the bear. This is my analogy to Germany, who don't deserve to be on six points, but yet they are. Both Spain and China could have taken all the points or at least scored goals early on. They didn't. Germany found their way back into the matches. 1-0 again. But at the same time, you kind of got to give them credit for grinding it out. Yeah. They're not in the locker room saying what we're saying. They're saying they got three points. They're happy. Yeah, exactly. They're like, they found a way, and that's all you have to do in group stages. So they are. Six points to Germany. Yeah. Next. Number three. Bit of a complaint. Yeah. I'm upset about <laughs> VAR. And it's not the VAR that, that happened in the last match of the night. It's, it's the let it play on VAR, right? So referees are being instructed to let the plays go on in the case that they are on side. So err on the side of caution. Don't raise your flag because if you raise your flag, the play is dead. You can't let it play on. So yep. let it play to the end and then you can call it back. This is a false narrative for fans. If you're in a stadium and watching your team go on a breakaway and it's five, six meters off sides, there's something not okay about that. I think if it's close, sure, let it go on. If it's clear, put your flag up. Yeah, because yeah. we, all of us know, but now you're creating a false narrative 
that it's not offside and it's onside and you let the play go on. There were a few calls where I was like, why is the why is the lino put, not put their flag up? It's so obviously offside. And now I know. Yeah. That is why. But also, if they can't make that call, then like, what are they doing there? They might as well just rely on VAR. What's the goalie doing? What's the point? Also, they yeah. need to get new flags for everyone because two of them failed in the last game. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> failed flags. That company's not getting new business. No for the next World Cup. Um, and talking about VAR, uh, VAR penalty in the France versus Norway game, which led to France winning 2-1. Very sort of, people were up like yes and no about the penalty. It was really hard to see because we didn't get to see all the angles. Yeah, the thing I'm most mad about is the TV angles that we had. Those weren't yeah. very good. But if they got, if she got contact with the ball, I'm not a fan of that no being pen. a penalty. But if she didn't, then pen. PK. PK. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No, this thing just got really awkward. But no, it was really, really tough to 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 see on the replays. But if she got contact with the ball, no penalty for me. Bad broadcasting. Okay, yeah. going into today, the matches that you need to know about. Australia versus Brazil and South Africa versus China. Australia versus Brazil. I'm going with Brazil, even though Lisa Devana says, you know, we're going to bounce back, but nobody better. Oh, we need to bounce back, but nobody better do it against than Brazil. And then I'm going with, man, China. China China looked okay. They were aggressive. Yeah. South Africa looked aggressive. This There could be a few sending offs in this match. It's going to be an aggy game, I reckon. But I think I th- think Australia are going to nick it. Fair. I think. Uh, so now we're going to get into the rest of the show. Here's Ellie with the inside score. And here's what you really need to know about Brazil. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. It's no surprise that Brazil are one of the few teams who have qualified for every World Cup. And like all the other beforehand, they will head to this upcoming tournament with the expectation and mentality that anything other than lifting the trophy isn't good enough. However, despite this logic, Brazil have actually never succeeded in their mission, having only ever even made the final in 2007. And whilst they qualified for the tournament convincingly, winning all seven of their matches, scoring an incredible 31 goals and conceding only two, bucking their disappointing World Cup trend in France doesn't look likely where, despite their star-studded squad, they're actually in horrible form, having lost nine out of nine games since July 2018. Getting out of the group shouldn't be a problem, but after that, there's doubts. But when it comes to Brazil, here's what you really need to know. Inside Inside school. Inside school. Whilst Brazil's failure to get the job done at the World Cup irks, of particular disappointment and frustration was their performance at the recent 2016 Rio Olympics, where Ascarinhas, or the female Canaries as they're known, failed to win Olympic gold, in fact any Olympic medal whatsoever, in front of their expectant home fans. The result led to the dismissal of coach Vidal and the appointment of the team's first ever female coach, Emily Lima, who implemented one of the most advanced programs the team had ever experienced, with a philosophy of trying to take on better teams early instead of avoiding them until big competitions. Virginia got off to a positive start with seven straight victories, but a poor mid-2017 saw a winless run of five losses and a draw. Lima found herself relieved of her role, despite still having a winning record. Replacing her was Vidal, the man who failed at Rio 2016, and the reaction from the squad themselves was seismic. Unleashing a tone of criticism against CBF, the Brazilian Soccer Federation, over issues relating to its treatment of women. Whilst a total of five players quit the side instantly, eight squad members signed off on a publicly published letter directly criticizing the federation. The publicly published letter stated, we the players have invested years of our own lives and all of our energy to build this team and this sport to its strength today. Yet we and almost all other Brazilian women are excluded from the leadership and decision making for our own team and our own sport. Most notably was striker Christiane, an adult stalwart of the squad with four World Cups and four Olympics under her belt, who took to YouTube with a 10 minute takedown of the federation 
where she said that whilst recent results had been poor, the team was enjoying working under Lima, who was in the process of imposing a new style that would take time to develop. Christian also pointed out that all of Lima's predecessors, all men, had been given a far longer time frame to get things right. I've dealt with it for 17 years, but I can't anymore, a clearly furious Christian tells the video. The fired Lima herself wasn't shy, reiterating Christian's comments on the double standards in the time that she was given. I already imagined that this was going to happen, not because of the results itself, but because of the lack of support from the technical coordination. I look back at results from Vidal's time and there were several negatives, a 3-0 loss, a 4-0 loss, but in his case, it never mattered. But despite the swell of support, the Brazilian Federation, who have had more than their fair share of scandals, is arguably the most disgraced federation to come out of the FIFA Gate scandal, stood firm and kept Vidal in the position. In Vidal's defence, the side qualified with flying colours, but winning the 2018 Copa America Feminina without dropping a point. Though as Lima and the players had stressed, the issue was never about results, exemplified by a recent FIFA Global survey that found of the 177 associations participating in the female game, only 7% of registered coaches were female. And that's despite all major women's competition winners from 2000 to 2018 being won by female coach teams, with one exception. Despite her protests, Christiane eventually did return to the side, but explained why in an impassioned Instagram post. The reason for my departure was one, to try and help sort the sport in another way, because the girls were not being heard. What I was told during that time off is that at least one woman has been hired to work in each base category. They even put a woman in the main group. We will also have meetings with the finance department so that the issue of image rights is explained to all girls. Is it enough? No. It's little, but they're doing it. Sounds like a good start. Christiane's appearance at France 2019 will be her fifth World Cup. Yet while such an incredible statistic would be some kind of record in most squads, it's actually something of the norm for the Brazilians, where superstar Marta will also make her fifth appearance this summer, and the legendary Formiga will make the upcoming tournament her seventh. Whilst many attribute the side's reliance on their aging stars as the reason for the dip in form, and want to see more chances for players like the 25-year-old Beaches, who was the side's lead goalscorer in qualifying, the fact of the matter is, all three veterans are still hugely influential for their club and country, and have a wealth of invaluable experience in the World Cup. Though a counter-argument to that could be that that experience has been continuously failing to meet the Samba Nation's lofty expectations. Despite the odds being stacked against them this time around, Brazil will once again aim for nothing but the trophy. And for many of the aging stars, it will almost be certainly their last chance. But even if they do quote-unquote fail at the mission again, those veterans, and in particular Christiane, should take pride in the fact that whilst they may not have achieved the ultimate goal on the pitch, off the pitch, they have set up a much brighter future for the next generation of Brazilian women in football. So there you go, inside score from Brazil. Uh, some really interesting facts in there. I think as uh, the tournament goes on and we look at this big sort of tournament and it's great and everyone's celebrating, I think it's really important to remember the sacrifices that some of the older players have taken to even get to this point and the sacrifices that players are still making now. Yeah, and just even so far in this, this tournament, we've seen or heard stories about players that have left and come back, players that leave. Yeah. A lot of people willing to sacrifice it all to make the difference that they're making. Obviously, Christian comes back, scores a hat trick. Yeah. Not a bad way to <laughs> sort of return back to the squad. But really, Brazil has been sort of a perennial underperformer in recent years on, on the women's side. In terms of the quality and the players that they have, these are world-renowned superstars, obviously fighting for rights on in, in, in other ways. But it'll be interesting to see how they, how they handle this tournament. Yeah, it looks like they're in a much happier place now as a squad, aren't they? Um, in comparison to all the upset behind the doors that they went through 
um, during tournaments and stuff. And a wicked start, 3-0 win over Jamaica. And they've got Australia up next, which I think is going to be actually a, a really big test for them. Absolutely. Obviously, Australia was the first real upset in the tournament in their first match. And Brazil, Brazil, the tiki-taka style of Brazil is so fun to watch. But in the first sort of 30, 45 minutes of their first match, they were just sort of trying to be a little too clever, trying to walk the ball into the goal. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they became more efficient and playing a lot more not so pretty, I think they're a much better squad. Formiga's seventh World Cup. Can we just talk about that for a second? Yeah. What? Like, what? That's a lot. How many years is that? But also Christiane, her fifth. Marta, her fifth. Yeah. But Formiga, seven. That's like... Was 95 her first one? I believe so. That's almost as long as I've been alive. That's That's crazy. crazy. Ellie said at the end of that, like, this might ultimately be the last time for the aging stars of Brazil, but it sure doesn't seem like they age. Because... (laughs) We're going to be saying that in four years' time, saying this could be the last time that these veterans get a chance to win uh, major silverware, and who knows? I mean, if they all are like Formiga, they'll play forever. Do you reckon uh, this would be her last World Cup? I don't know if she's like publicly said that this would be her last World Cup or not. Formiga? Yeah. As a federation or as a footballing nation, with all due respect to Formiga, who's going to probably get to announce when she wants to be done. Yeah. Because as she continues, you just get better with your brain and your eyes. When your legs start to go, you start to see that with the veterans. But you would want a fresh crop probably four years from now of yeah. players coming through, challenging. You you ultimately want to push those players out, right? The young players come in and they're trying to push those players, the older players out of the squad. And that's a good sign of where development is at when you when you can do that. So I think for the sake of the Federation and the next generation, hopefully she's not there, but I have a feeling she, she is a be. legend of such caliber that she will put it on her terms. She'll leave when she's ready. When do you know, not not just as a professional player, just in general, like your time is, is up as a player. As a player. And isn't it kind of like up to you? I mean, my story was a little bit different because I had an opportunity to move into something else it was an offer that I was receiving to get into media at the same time that I was receiving offers to continue playing football. Right. But most players, I think, ride it until the wheels fall off. Unless you are at a certain level of wealth that you decide you're no longer at your best or it starts to feel like a job or you're ready to move on to the next thing or you've just your best days are behind you for a number of reasons. But so often, a lot of players that I know that were sort of forced out of the game weren't mentally there yet the game just stopped receiving them with open arms you know in terms of like contracts or opportunities or playing at the level that they want to play at those types of things but I don't know if you're ever ready yeah and also your game changes and you have to change with it like your body's different it's not the same that it's it's battle hardened over the last like I don't know, 12, 15 years, however long you've been playing for. Yeah. You have to recover differently. You might have to play a different position now. And sometimes your mind actually isn't ready for that. You're just like, I want to do, I want to make this move, but my body's not allowing me to do it. So do I really want to carry on? That was the main thing is when you, when your brain and your body are no longer on the same page, right? Yeah. So once you've had a certain amount of injuries or you're, you don't have the same tools that you once did, your game has to evolve. But also one of the things that's always an issue is that Everything in your career when you're younger just happens naturally, right? It's not a conscious thought that when a ball breaks out and it's a 50-50 that you have to tell your legs, let's go. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, your brain and your legs start to play sort of games with each other and you don't have that sort of 
subconscious level of reaction of knowing the game because your body is just at a different stage. It's that at least that was what happened for me is that I stopped being on the same page. I knew balls that I could get to before because I was usually one of the faster players on the pitch that I was going to get there. And then I started to second guess myself or injuries and those types of things that linger in your head. That millisecond that you lose between your brain and your body is the difference between playing at certain levels. Yeah. Also, when you become unconfident, when you like go into challenges and stuff, you're more often not going to injure yourself just because you're not committing. It's one of those like half-assed, put my foot in, take it back, and then you end up hurting yourself or somebody else, really. I found myself, just because I was more of a pacey player in my career, that I was never really good at going in for a challenge because I either went in hard. (laughs) Yeah, but I either went in hard and arrived early. Yeah. Or I arrived late. I never arrived like for, you know, usually you see like a number six, somebody who ha- typically they look like they're pulling a sled when they run. Like they have one gear the whole match, you know, they can right. run at a, a high pace, but they don't, they don't have the sprint. Like they don't have the sprint button like you have on a controller when you're playing video games. They <laughs> yeah, don't have yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> they're the ones that usually go into a challenge because they have to. And their timing has become very, very good at going into a challenge, last ditch efforts, these types of things to win a ball. Whereas for me, I usually knew I could either get there first or I'm not going to get there. And I I didn't always look at, I didn't always get into these like heavy, heavy challenges. By the way, that yesterday in the US game, did you see that tackle on uh, the Thai player from, man, I don't remember who it was from the US team, but went in hard. I think, I think it was, um, oh, uh, um, Kelly, Kelly O'Hara. It was Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. She's spicy, man. Yeah. She's a spicy player, though. Yeah. She's known for being spice. She, she went in hard. Bringing the spice. She broke her off and she left a little bit on her ankle too. Yeah, she did. Like yeah, she left yeah. a little, took a little, 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 little piece oh. off of there. Number 10. There was number 10 playing left back, by the way, for Thailand. Really? Yeah. Number, number now 10 we have two of them. Back. I know. Yeah. Maybe it's not as a, as a bigger thing in, in, in the women's game, like giving numbers to positions. Is it? I don't know. It doesn't seem to I, be anyway. I have a good story about numbers if you want to hear it. Okay, go on then. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, ma- I'll make it quick. When I got into the national team, the kit man uh, was from the same area in California as me. And we used to joke, it'd be funny if we tried to see, because when you go into national team camp, you get your number based on the amount of caps you have, right? Your seniority within the team. So if you wanted, like a, uh, if you wanted to wear three, you'd like have to get in line behind somebody who had more caps than you yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you would end up with a random number. And I was, we started to joke, like, wouldn't it be funny if I tried to play in as many kits as possible and i ended up we ended up doing it every time i would come into camp we decide which number i haven't played with obviously when you get into official qualifying it's one through 23 so there's a lot more limited numbers but i've played in like more than i think more than 10 or 15 different numbers with the national team if you look on google and you and you put my name on google i'm on google you can search me (laughs) uh you can see how many different numbers it was like so you don't have a favorite number then i do have a favorite my favorite number is three it's three. For sure. Dude, that's my number. And I, I don't like that number. You I'm don't. switching it up for next season. It used to be 13. And then I broke my leg wearing 13. Because, you know, they, 13 is like unlucky, a lucky or unlucky, unlucky number, number for somebody. For and 13, unlucky. someone broke me off. Uh, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and retire that one. I tried to track down how many it actually was. But I'm still in the process because there's so some. I don't even know. Yeah. I, I don't know what. I know it's more than 10. So. It's good work. Yeah. 10 different numbers is a pretty good. 
pretty good record, I think. Yeah, I'm three and play right wing, so I can't, that kind of bugs me a bit. Why? Why am I three? Uh, I think because... No, why do you play right wing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only joined this team like a couple of seasons ago, so obviously like I hadn't been there that long, so I just took the shirt, do you know yeah. what I mean? And then I end up staying again. But we've we've like merged with a new club now, so I'm switching it up. I think I'm going to go for 14. Ooh. Yeah. Thierry. Thierry. Henri. Henri. Ah, um, voilà. Shall we get into a, another icons? We have another icons package. Yeah, Lisa Devana. Let's listen. Hashtag Copper 90 icons. My pathway is a little different to a lot of the girls uh, in our team. Um, when I was 16 years old or maybe younger, I had a, a school camp and it was a, a, a soccer school camp. And it was on the other side of the country and it was very rare that the school camp happened. And um, I remember playing a game and the, the young Matilda, so the best young players in the, in the country were there. And by luck, the, the bus was driving past and, and they stopped and recognised recognized me playing. I just didn't know who this person was. I remember the next day my coach coming up to me, um, my state school girls coach coming up to me and said that the young Matilda's coach has been watching watched me play and they're going to be here watching the rest of the, the tournament and they want me to move to Adelaide, which is you know three hours east from Perth to make that sacrifice. So, yeah, so that's my pathway is a bit different. You know, I used to sell chocolates and raffle tickets to, to try to make ends meet to, to get to where I am. So, you know, there was a time that I used to get so nervous that I used to get sick in the – like when I was younger, I used to get so sick that to a point that I almost threw up, especially in major tournaments because I played the game so much over my head and I wanted to win so badly, <laughs> that bad, that it made me – that it, football made me sick, literally. So the first time I got caught up to the national team was the uh, 2004 Olympic Games. Uh, I was – at home and I was just obviously I had to wait for the assistant coach to, to call to say yeah I made it and uh, it was probably one of the you know happiest days of my life it wasn't the first time I played for my country but to, it's the first time I actually went to a, a major tournament I still get fire in my belly every time I put my jersey on I'm a very proud Australian that's probably what I'm known for how much I'm so passionate playing football but particularly playing for my country you know, the, the difference between, you know, the 2007 World Cup to this World Cup, you know, back then in 2007, our, we weren't a team that people thought were a threat. They knew they were a team of growth, but we weren't a threat. We were a team that we were just had that never-die kind of attitude, but we never had the technical ability to take it to the next level. You know, and, and as I continued my career, I can see the difference how the not only the game evolving around women's football in the in the world, but mostly in Australia. And now, you know, we're a team where people think that we can potentially win a World Cup to a team where we're the underdog. So I feel like I don't have pressure individually, but the team has so much pressure. As in the last World Cup 2015, I felt a lot of pressure on myself and expectations. One, because I wanted to get the, the game on the map, especially back home in Australia. But this time around, 2019, everyone is loving the Matildas and loving Australian football and the nation is just inspired by us. 
but I don't feel the pressure. So it's really, it's a really weird feeling. You know, there's no bigger sporting event in the world than going to a World Cup. That's the pinnacle of all sports. It's, it's a, a rare occasion. Like it's not everyone gets to represent their country. Like anyone can go play for a club team and love their club team, but to represent your country and to and, and to be part of, you know, spying a nation, spying a little girl. Uh, like there's no bigger honour than and than doing that. Playing football has taught me that you can't control everything. That things are going to happen outside of football, and you probably will never get an answer. And you know, it's it's also taught me what professionalism is like and what what standards and integrity that I I hold for myself. And that's the one biggest thing that I know that when I walk away from football is did I give everything? Did I live up to my expectations? Do, was I a good person? Did I inspire a nation? Did, did, did a little girl want to be the next me? Like all these little things that are, I, I think that's what football has put a brand in my mind. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, everyone's kind of like, not, not so much forgetting about Australia, but Australia are a really good team. Ranked sixth in the world. And no one's really talking about them too much. But they did lose their opening game against Italy. Yeah. She has made comments since that. Oh, she has? About just being uh, angry. Obviously that they have to dig deep and there's no better team to go out. Uh, This quote here says, I guess now it's a big hurdle for us and we have to rise. There's no bigger team to do that against than Brazil. And she said, I'm not happy at the moment. I'm frustrated, angry. Quickly Googling the team and whatever there was a lot of criticism of them back home of not just i read one article that said their attack has turned to water and it's equally as worrisome as the defense so a lot of pressure from them back home because they are one of the best teams in the world but clearly you can't rule them out whatsoever they want to finish top of the group but you know now it's just a matter of getting out of your group and making sure you're at least one of the Two teams, if not that one of those few third place teams that gets out of the group. Yeah, I mean, it's their opening game as well. Like, they didn't get battered, did they? It was a 2 1 win. Obviously, everyone was expecting them to win. They were the favourites, but they still have a long way to go in the group. I think it's a lot of the way in which they lost, though, right? They went up 1 0, they started well, and then a team like Italy, who you were probably pretty well written off by most people going yeah. into that match, clawed their way back in. That's a, that's a worrisome thought because you start to look across the pitch and go, where, where are their issues? And you start to realize there might be a few more holes than, than you thought. But again, it's, it's an experienced team and it's the opening match. They now just have to, you know, we've talked about sort of the themes of, of, of World Cup group stages. Yeah, managing so them. this is a team who's now lost their first match against what they had hoped. And now you have to go back to the drawing board and say, well, how many points do we need to get out of this group? Who do we, like, what do we need to do? Because the tournament now starts fresh for them in their second match. Yeah, she looked good on the pitch, though. She's a feisty player. And uh, I like the fact that she's the same height as me. <laughs> yeah. Is she? 5'1"? She's 5'1", yeah. Yeah. I feel like athletically, her legs, though, they're probably the size of me. Yeah. She's strong. Very she is strong. strong. Veteran 
in the veteran squad. as well, yeah. So what else have we got coming up today, match-wise? We've got, yeah, what else do we have today? Australia-Brazil, right? Yeah. And South Africa-China. Yeah. South Africa-China. South Africa saying? was rough. They were rough, not rough. Like they, they, one thing that I have found, this is not stereotyping, so I don't want anybody to think that it is, but the physicality of the African nations in this tournament so far has been so far quite different than some of the other teams. They've played very aggressively, very physical. They get stuck into challenges. Mm. I've seen a lot of like studs up flying challenges. Um, China though, China were aggressive yeah. in their opening game, which I was, I don't know, not, not, not surprised. I just wasn't expecting them to be that sort of physical and strong and it really, really worked for them. Right. So, almost. It yeah, almost worked for them. Almost worked for them, yeah. yeah. So this is going to be a pretty aggy match, I think. They could have gotten points against Germany, right? They played their first match against Germany, was it China? Yeah, and, and Germany won unconvincingly. Yeah. They really, really bullied them, Germany. Chi China had the opportunities early on. They had two yeah. clear-cut chances. Yeah. And... You know, a good, a good team, but physicality plays well, right? It, you you have to know, you, you have to play to your strengths. And as a defender, it was actually one of the skill sets that I wish that I had more of, which is just like a meanness, a, a willingness to just hurt somebody else. Mean? I wasn't mean. Like I, I could tap into something, but for the most part, I played pretty fair. And I know some people that did not give a shit. Like yeah. they would step on your toes the moment you got near them, yeah. step on your heels. And that would throw me off. And a lot of attackers get thrown off immediately. You lay in a challenge to somebody or you're, you know, you get people that pinch you and you step on your toes and your heels and will trip you and, you know, bump you off and do all those types of things just to get you off your game. And if they can get into your mind, yeah. they've done their job. And that was something that, I don't know, I blame my parents for raising me to be too, like, nice. honest. Yeah, or nice, <laughs> where it's just like, fair play, you know, everybody wins. No, it's more of just like, I wish that I had that killer instinct at times to be willing to kind of get stuck in on somebody if it was going to give me an advantage or make it make a day really hard not just from like lockdown defense or making them track me on uh, uh, in transition but also just disrupting their flow by kicking them all the time yeah it's funny like sometimes you play people and you're just like have you literally just come out here today to just hurt somebody i'm a bit like do you know what i mean it gets a bit I guess not so much in the professional game, but like... No, there's there's people that are multi-multi-millionaires in the professional game, and all they've done is when they get when they win the ball as a defender, give it to whoever's closest to them that knows what to do with the ball and spend the rest of the time kicking, kicking the person people. who's trying to score against them. I'm talking about multi-millionaires, <laughs> legitimately. Now, you might not get into the top 20 clubs, yeah. but there are plenty of millionaires that have made crazy livings off of just being big and physical and having that mindset i used to play when i played with brazilian defenders when they would clear a ball yeah. and this is uh, similar to the south african player that was sent off so they'd clear a ball and swing their leg chest tight and leave it up chest tight Jeez. in case somebody tried to go through them it was like a way of protecting yourself of how they you learn back in brazil is like protecting your body they always had like an arm out arm's length and then when they would clear a ball out though like they'd go through a ball to clear it they wouldn't just swing through like you would like you were shooting they'd swing through like an nfl punter would where like the foot is above the head right and just keeping it out to where if you ran through it you were going to get a foot to the chest or the waist or like the head like aggressively trying to hurt somebody while they cleared the ball out there's People get play crazy when they play sports. Like the last game I played at the end of the season, there was two red cards on the opposing team. And one of the red cards was for punching one of our players in the chest. But then they complained about it afterwards. Sounds like a soft ref. 
giving red for a punch to the chest. Yeah, yeah. What's happening to this game that we once loved? <laughs> if you just did that to someone in the street, you get arrested. Like, you can't just do that. I actually think I play better when I'm a bit pissed off. I think that's a, a fact yeah. with my teammates. I've got a feeling that a few of my teammates try and piss me off before a game on purpose, just so I play a little bit better. Yeah. But I'm usually quite a happy-go-lucky person, so it's quite hard. Yeah, sometimes you have to tap into it, though. But yeah. we've got another inside score from a team that plays extremely aggressively, uh, just like you do, and this is <laughs> China. Booking their passage to their seventh Women's World Cup with ease, China's qualification for France 2019 proved to be pretty straightforward, where the still roses, as they're known back home, routed Thailand 4-0 and swept past the Philippines 3-1, becoming the world's first team to join host France in this year's tournament. Whilst replicating their incredible run to the final in 1999 may be too hard of an ask, anything's possible with this well-drilled side, who all play their club football in China, with the exception of star PSG forward Wang Shun. But here's what you really need to know. Inside school. Inside school. Such a big fan of football is Chinese President Xi Jinping that when explaining his personal ambitions for China back in 2011, he listed three, all football related. To qualify for the World Cup, to host the event, and finally, one day to win it. In response, business leaders from the country's biggest corporations and officials from the central government to the lowliest provinces began falling over themselves to demonstrate their own love for the game and find ways of improving their country's play. In a matter of years, football had been made a compulsory part of the national curriculum. About 20,000 football-themed schools had been opened with the goal of producing more than 100,000 players. Study abroad programs had been rolled out for, for potential Chinese internationals and initiatives were created to lure international stars to China in the next year. All in all, more than one trillion US dollars is said to have been invested. Yet the Chinese men still fail to get anywhere near qualifying. But instead of looking outwards to costly initiatives and overseas consultancy, Jinping would perhaps be better off looking inwards, where two of his three initial aims have already been achieved multiple times. All thanks to China's successful women's side, who have hosted two wildly successful tournaments and have qualified all but once, regularly going deep in their World Cup campaigns. Whilst those achievements may be lost in Jinping, they aren't on the rest of the Chinese public, where the Steel Roses are considered national heroes thanks to their 90s golden era that saw the team make the final of the Women's World Cup in 1999 and take Olympic silver at Atlanta 1996. The latter of which is considered one of the most important sporting results in modern Chinese sport and resulted in a welcome parade and a hugely popular Steel Roses anthem that's been affectionately sung at all women's games for the past 20 years. While this side qualified with ease to the tournament, the opponents they meet in Group B are going to offer a far tougher task than their Asian qualifiers, as seen from China's recent losses to Denmark and the Netherlands. But then again, no one expected much of China in 2015, where they defied everyone's expectations by making it all the way to the quarterfinals, where the only difference between them and eventual World Cup winners USA was a Carly Lloyd header. While Spain, China's biggest rival to get out of the group, look better on paper, they don't have anywhere near the experience in the tournament, which can go a long way in big pressure matches. If China do get the better of Spain and navigate themselves out of the group, Xi Jinping and his advisors would surely have to finally sit up and start taking notes. We're both left in awe of Ellie's wonderful voice. Are we going to see Ellie in the clubhouse? Is he coming? At some point. I feel like he's part of the podcast, but he's not actually here live in the studio. Yeah. There's times that I've listened to him so far and I want it to be like where you roll the clip of somebody's movie and then you have them in studio and you're like, so let's talk about this. You know, like here's a follow-up. Uh, 
but he's not here. No, he's not. I would like to get him on if he rolls through. Ellie, if you're listening, come to Paris. Ellie said he listens to every single episode until his inside scores are finished. Then he stops listening to us again. He does. No, he, that's not true. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure, but he's. He was really, really excited to be part of this, and that's why he's done such great research for us to give us so much to know and care about with every single one of these teams. Someone else uh, left a review and said they're really enjoying the inside scores. Really? And he they, he didn't he or she didn't say inside scores, but like insight into the country. So I'm guessing it, it would be that part of the show. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite parts of the show as well, apart from listening to myself talk. Yeah. Yeah, my, my favorite part is listening to that and then making it about us, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, this seems to be a running This theme, is like the, the, the Leo's podcast, you know? How can, <laughs> so how can we turn your life into something about me anecdotally? <laughs> but yeah, Ellie's stuff is, is, now that I've sat through a lot of the recordings, I'm still hearing it again for the first time. Sometimes when I hear it, like I've forgotten and it's just because there's just so much information coming out, mm. but he really does give you something to care about every single time. Real quick, yeah. thoughts on celebrating 13 goals? I don't... Uh, like, yeah, there's a lot of people complaining about the amount of goals that were scored, which which I don't technically agree with because, like, Sweden are going to go in and they're going to try and beat Thailand with a high-scoring um, game because it's important because that might go down might go down to who finishes first and second in the group, right? So th- with the number of goals that were scored, I don't have a problem with maybe scoring like the 10th goal and celebrating in such a big fashion. I think me personally, I would feel uncomfortable doing it, but the thing that I I'm trying to keep perspective of is, and I know the U S is used to winning quite regularly, but it's a world cup. Cup. Imagine scoring a goal in a world cup and then being like, well, I guess everybody used all the celebrations (laughs) up. Like Mallory Pugh scores and she's a teenager and yeah, they won comfortably but like, imagine being like, yeah, but have a little humility. It's like, no, this yeah, is the greatest yeah, yeah. thing that's ever happened yeah. in her life. Alex Morgan scores five in a World Cup. Yeah. Like the monumental moment that is for somebody, regardless of storyline, is hard to like be like, act like you've been there before. Yeah, it's what I was just about to say. I just said, I, I would probably feel uncomfortable. But also saying that I've never fucking played in the World Cup. So what do I know? And if I did... I probably would. I probably but it's the, would. it's the human side of us that's going like, it kind of hurts because we're all raised with this like mercy rule type yeah. thing of like, why run up the score? Because imagine if it happened to you. But like you said, the two things that go into that is one, it's a World Cup. So people are really excited to do whatever. I guarantee you there are players in the locker room that were on the pitch last night for the US team that were like, that was my day to score World Cup goal. Yeah, true. You know? And there were players that were in that team that might not necessarily get a lot of playing time going forward. So that was kind of like, their moment to make the most of it. Right. Which I totally And get. so, and then the flip side being, like you already mentioned, the Sweden thing, group positioning is there. Sweden is going to try to win 14 yes. nil. Yes. I can guarantee, guarantee that it. because yeah. it is setting up their path to get to a final, wanting to avoid certain people and yeah. whatever to the final. So it is what it, like, it's unfortunately a shitty way to look at it, but that's the reality of, of tournament play because they know that if they're playing against a weak opponent, somebody else is playing against that weak opponent yeah. and it's going to try to get more out of them than them. Do you remember when Germany smashed Brazil in the World Cup? 6-1? Was it 6-1 or was it higher than that? I think maybe it was 7-1. 7-1. One. One. And that was in Brazil in front of in Brazil's Brazil. crowd. Yeah. That's Ugly. heartache. Ugly. Ugly. Yeah. Anyway, I've got some uh, day and numbers for you. Do you? Yes. Should we start? We? Oui. So... <laughs> 22.293 million. 22.39 million. 2293. Is this a population of a country? Mm-mm. Is it the amount of global 
audience there was around the opening match or around the match? Yes. So the peak TV audience for Brazil versus Jamaica, which makes it the second highest TV audience in women's World Cup history. Wow. Yeah. That, how much of that must have been a lot coming out of Brazil, right? I guess so. Yeah. I'm not yeah. too sure where they came from, but that's a lot of people. There are Brazilians travel well, though. There's Brazilians everywhere. There's a lot of Brazilian fans here in France. Yeah, the, for sure. The opening game, there was, a, there was a lot of Brazilian fans. You could see all the, the uh, yellow T-shirts. Could be Australian. Could be Australian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never know. Maybe they just got a bit lost. Uh, 14. 14 is the amount of I don't I don't I'm gonna try with that one. That was such a weird, random. Like, it's not high, it's not high enough for me to think of something yeah, or low enough for me to think of something football related. But I'm sure it is. Uh, the number of games which have sold out at this year's World Cup. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's so far or like so far. There's some big stadiums here, so it's yeah. pretty amazing. Nearly a million tickets sold. I think it's over a million now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's over be. a million. Yeah, now. yeah. and, and there's, been, there's been some uh, inclement weather too, which I think has been a real, real dampening. Uh, oh, is they going to start? I think the pun's going to start. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, dad jokes. Here they come. I've been, I've been, I've been saving them. You know, <laughs> they're locked and loaded. I've got a whole bunch of dad jokes for you. Uh, no, but it's it has sort of hurt the atmosphere. I think in the fan parks and stuff like that in Paris. Just we've had a lot of rain here. A lot of rain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next number, number five. Uh, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, uh, cinq. Showing off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can Stop showing off. Do you remember languages. when your parents used to say that to you? That was like the most, that was the most heartbreaking thing ever. Yeah. It wouldn't, like getting told off, whatever. But in front of your mates, stop showing off. You'd be like, I'm not showing off. <laughs> well, guess what, parents? That showing off is what's led us to this podcast, <laughs> huh? We like the attention, okay? <laughs> Let us be ourselves. Uh, the number five. Man, the amount of, I don't know. Give you said it, it earlier. Uh, the amount of uh, World Cups. The number of goals scored by Alex Morgan in the USA's oh. first game of the tournament, which is one more than Ronaldo's, which one more than Ronaldo managed uh, for Portugal in the entire World Cup last year. Yeah. I love drawing Ronaldo into stats. Yeah, 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 yeah. He owns most of them, but yeah, exactly. not this, not this one. one. Unlucky, Ronaldo. Sorry, bud. <laughs> and that's all we have for you today. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. I've left five stars, but I haven't left a written review yet of anything. And subscribe to the daily newsletter that goes out during the tournament every single day. It's actually really interesting. I'm learning quite a bit on there as well. Head to copa90.com slash WC19 and click or tap on Copa90 France Daily to sign up. Get in touch because we'd love to hear from you as well. Football inside out at copa90.com and tweet us using the hashtag hashtag copa90 inside out and we will see you tomorrow. See ya. Bye. Copa90, football inside out. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.